0: Welcome to Take A Wonder With Shebs, a travel podcast to highlight topics and talk in depth about how travel can have meaning in your life through the experiences you gain from exploring the world. How is this podcast different to other travel podcasts? The show's discussion points will talk about more than just destinations people can travel to, their favourite place for food, or how to travel hack. I'll dig deep into why and what that individual may have learnt from a destination or what impact an event or occasion has had on their life during their travels. No topics are off limits. The podcast will aim to create suspense for listeners and leave you inspired to travel, learn, and be a better person overall. On this edition of the podcast, we have Jeremy Bersetti who's going to be discussing with us about his upcoming book, The Hill of the Skull. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. How are you and where in the world are you currently? Thanks for having me, Shebs. I am
1: in sunny Orlando, Florida.
0: We're going to talk about your book, which, the upcoming book, actually, which is called The Hill of, a, Hill of the Skull. And we're going to discuss why you decided to write this book and the journey that you went through. But Before we go into that, just tell people a little bit about yourself that don't know who you
1: are. I am basically a writer and a photographer. By day I'm a teacher. I work, I am I'm a teacher at a university here in Orlando. It's a we have these things called community colleges so they're like two-year universities basically. Um and I do that by day. By night I write, I do photography. I'm a podcaster. I have a podcast called Travel Writing World and yeah, I kind of I'm interested in, you know, the intersection between, you know, exploring the world and um the creativity that results from that. Interesting. You said your university. What is it that you teach within the university? I teach intro-level humanities courses, so intro to humanities and some kind of some courses that focus on time periods, so the Enlightenment and Romanticism. But generally, introduction-style courses, introducing students to literature, arts, philosophy, those types of things. Teaching something that you wanted to do whilst you're in uni yourself, coming going through education. Feels strange to say this. When I was doing my graduate work, I was really interested in research and history and that kind of thing. And, you know, teaching was the necessary evil to, to be in that world of, of research and, uh, you know, the, what they call the life of the mind, which is kind of ridiculous. To to be kind of immersed in your own studies and and in your research, the only way that I was able to kind of do that was through the teaching route. So... Necessary evil for my academic and my larger interests, and it turns out it's been it's been great. Teaching is is a lot of fun when it's uh when everything clicks in the gear. It's a lot of fun, but when things go bad, it's also um it's bad. How did you fall in love with travel? First, you know, travel is something that I've always done. Uh, my mo- my mother's Dominican. My father, like he moved around the states as well. He's I think third generation uh, immigrant to the United States. So like we've always since I can remember like we were always traveling around going to the caribbean to visit family but also going around the united states um traveling so like it was something that didn't really come to me it was something that i was like born into but i remember like most of my travel uh, when i was younger was you know ob- obligatory travel to go see the parents and grandparents and the cousins and all that stuff um but when i was older i think maybe in the in my 20s uh, I went to Europe for the first time, you know, kind of as like an independent traveler, and that's when my eyes kind of opened up to the possibilities of it all. Would that be one of the most transformative experiences that you had whilst you were traveling? Not one of the most transformative, but certainly it gave me the the bug, right, to to go traveling. I think you know the most transformative experience for me was um, part of my uh, graduate work research. I went to Spain. Uh, to to do research in Spain and the archives there and so like I, the only way that I could for, afford that was to teach English there as well mm-hmm. so I packed up I sold all my stuff and and went to to Spain for about a year which is um, you know where I lived and I did research taught English um, but that was really kind of the most transformative kind of travel experience that I've had just because of the 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 time that um, it it, it gave me to, to kind of immerse myself into Spanish uh, culture, like firsthand. Like we don't really get that. I don't think traveling somewhere for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, you can you can get a taste of what's to come. But like that that immersion, um, uh, I think you need a little bit more time. Slow travel is really really important. I've, I've done mm-hmm. slow travel, and
0: and you do get to integrate. Well, not integrate, but because you're not never going to get the knowledge of a, of, a, of a local or get the experience until you've spent. A significant amount of time, but when you're there for, for for a bit of time, you you get to see the ins and outs, uh, and, and when you go for a couple of weeks, you may not necessarily get the the gist of it, but you might get right. a little bit and stuff. The the big thing that I want to to be discussing is your is your upcoming book, the the Hill of the Skull, and it, it's in Bolivia, and it's a very fascinating short memoir that I that that you've written. Now tell us why you decide to firstly go to Bolivia and also what was the journey through wanting to write a a piece like this or did you initially go to Bolivia not thinking that it was going to be there's going to be a book
1: coming out of it last fall last for the last fall semester so 2022 um I was on sabbatical so I didn't have any uh, teaching obligations um and so I thought it would be a good time for me to you know immerse myself in other parts of the world but also um, to do you know this kind of like a little bit more um rigorous deeper primary research for this project that I'm working on um I don't really talk about it that much in the in the book but i'm I'm working on this larger project about mountains and so I went to Bolivia to do that kind of primary research and that took me to a a town outside of um a big city in fact it's not a town it's Quite quite a large city, but it's outside of, of a larger city called Cochabamba. That the smaller city that I went to is a city called Kiakoyo because every August there's a, a pilgrimage to a sacred mountain, um, and, and kind of around the time of you know the Ascension Day, it's a, it's a Catholic holiday, um, but it also has this kind of interesting syncretism with local uh, native Andean ideas, kind of all coming together. Part of my research for my larger larger project took me there I, I normally can't travel at that time in august because of my teaching obligation so i was like okay this is the time i have august off i'm going to go check out i'm going to go to the andes right and i'm going to check out this um this pilgrimage essentially and so that was kind of the the motivation for this larger element this larger research project and i had these other like other projects in mind like a photography project that i wanted to do while i was there but the main kind of thrust for me to be there was this larger um, project. But when you're working in the field and working on the ground, you know, there are so many, uh, I don't know how to say this, but there's there's a lot of going on. There's a lot of kind of sensory inputs, right? And um, kind of some of the projects that I wanted to do um, had to, I had to abandon those basically just for, for whatever reason. Mm. But then I realized when I was in, in this town, like I was getting like pulled in, know i was trying to keep this distance between me and the research like i was trying to have this like proper scholarly distance you know like i'm here as a researcher i'm like an academic that type of thing but i found myself getting like pulled into kind of the experience of 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 the pilgrimage there and so this book that i that i'm trying to kickstart here in 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 september was a result of that direct experience it was completely coincidental i mean it wasn't something that was planning on writing it just you know, it happened. And, you know, as I was getting pulled into this world and I found myself becoming a pilgrim, um, you know, that's when the story element put into place. And I thought, in, I need in, to write this down.
0: In, in what way did you feel as though you were becoming a pilgrim yourself whilst you were there? A,
1: a lot of different ways. Like, it, it's 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 hard for me to explain um, and, and hard for me to articulate. But, like, as I was there trying to keep my my distance, like, I couldn't help but, you know, think about my own my own hopes and my own desires, right? There, you know, there's pilgrims that travel from all over South America and all over the world really to this pilgrimage site. And, you know, there are people asking for things from the Virgin Mary and from Pachamama, right? They're people asking there are people that are in like deep kind of states of suffering, right? They're asking for for hope and forgiveness. And, you know, this got me thinking about my, my own pains and my own issues and my own sufferings, right? And this kind of started pulling me in. I, I failed to mention that when I, was, when I first went to South America, I was doing this like a pop-up newsletter thing online where I would send every, every night some images to a newsletter. And it's like, these are my experiences here in Bolivia. Here are some images. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm looking at. Um, but when I was in this town, Kiyokoyo, I took a picture of a shaman on the sacred mountain, and I sent the image of the shaman to my newsletter. And uh, I got a reply from a longtime friend of the family, um, and her daughter, who's also a longtime friend of the family, was um, you know dealing with a brain tumor essentially, and she was asking if I could uh, go talk to a shaman and get a remote blessing or. For her daughter and you know all of these things just kind of came together and of of course i you know i couldn't say no and part of the story is me going back to seek out the shaman that that i photographed in order to get a um, a remote blessing i remember when i was reading through
0: the the first passage and i think you mentioned in the book that you were going through some marital issues as well and partly one of the reasons why you went to bolivia was to sort of seek out and to 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 save your marriage you've gone quite suppose, personal with, within your within within the book was that again intentional what what you what you did and when you were writing that was it difficult passage to write because it's quite personal
1: absolutely this it's it's a memoir right it's about 7000 words it's not it's not long at all but it, these 7000 words were the most difficult 7000 words for for me to write and i think it's specifically because of that personal element to it right um you know i've read in the past you know years ago um uh, these books on on writing memoir and the craft of writing memoir one um the author's name um last name care comes to mind um but and she she mentions like look you know if you're writing a memoir if you're writing about things that are deeply personal if if it comes too easy then you're not doing it right there's this certain element of like it, i i felt personally that as I was writing this it was it was struggling with these ideas and these feelings and these emotions it was hard for me for me to put that together um and it was really hard for me to to send that draft to some editors and some friends to have them read it as well um my wife when i sent her the draft i was shaking in my boots you know this is um vulnerable uh this act of giving that story to someone makes me feel very vulnerable. I, I don't know if that's a, an experience that a lot of memoirists um, have, but I certainly had it. It's not like writing a feature where we're, we're t- telling other people's stories, right? This is a deeply personal story. And I think that's what makes it so hard.
0: With me, it, there's, a, there's a sort of a rule. If, if you don't hook someone within the first 200 words, you've, you've lost a person. It's the same thing with, I guess when you're mm-hmm. reviewing a movie, you, right. give you, you give yourself at least twenty minutes to make sure that you're hooked, you're invested into the story. And I think when you're writing a memoir, as I said, any travel book, and I've and I've interviewed quite a lot of authors in the, in the past couple of years, it, it, it's the the initial hook that that it's with anything really. I suppose with writing any articles, if you don't hook someone within the first few words, then it's not going to work. And especially with it with it being a quite short memoir as well, it it it's
1: vital to get get people into it and i feel so you succeed in that it's it's hard right writing a memoir because you want to write it also to kind of entertain and and you know not entertain in a superficial way but you know you want your readers to 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 be entertained in some ways to follow the story to be vested in the story and you know when you're saying that it's a storyline that wanted that like kept you wanting to read more that you know that's the best thing a writer could uh, writer could hear. So, what would you like people reading to take away from the from the from the book? You know that's a hard question to answer. You I know, mean, there's there's a lot going on in the book, and you know maybe the book does a few few different things. Um, you know, it's it's a story about me kind of becoming a pilgrim, so to speak. But it's also a story about uh, the other pilgrims who visit um, the mountain. It's a story. Uh, about the festival and the pilgrimage itself that, you know, not a lot of people know about, right? It's kind of off the radar in in many respects. So, you know, being entertained by kind of like an interesting story, I think that's one of the things, but also like learning about, you know, this corner of the world that not too many people uh, know about it. You know, I wanted to, to give an interesting story, but also give a story that would inform You know the reader in some way because you know i'm a historian by training and academic by training Um, that stuff comes out i think in the story i talk about the um the ceremonies and the rituals there's like this kind of anthropological maybe overtone to certain parts of the story um so maybe that as well like learning about the rituals and the ceremonies and the people that go to the sacred mountain but also you know being entertained um with kind of an interesting story i think those are um part of the main things that i'm trying to do here you are looking to
0: to generate funding and what's your main goal from are are you looking to get it published with a a publisher or is it going to be an online or self-published
1: book the the punt the funding window the campaign runs from september 25 monday september 25 until october 26 i believe and um i'm trying to crowdfund this on Kickstarter um, because it's such a weird project, right? There, There's a memoir component. It's about 7,000 words. Uh, there are about 50 photographs that I took of pilgrims and the shamans and the hill itself. So it's kind of this word and image project. Um, there's a an afterword by the writer Pico Ayer, Um and also this kind of crafty like dialogue section at the at the end with uh me and a, a um british photographer alice tomlinson um it's a textual um dialogue about craft and photography and stuff like that so it's it's a weird it's a weird thing right there's memoir there's photographs there's an afterword there's this kind of crafty section um it's it's a weird it's a strange project and, and publishers i i found i find you know tend to shy away from these kind of strange uh um projects so what i've decided to do is try to forego the traditional publishing route and do an independent publishing through kickstarter um trying to generate the funds before publishing it and nowadays i think it's um, very easy to kind of independently publish or self-publish books and you, you can put the books online and you know, somebody clicks on your book and kicks in uh, Amazon. They will print it and ship it. You know, you don't have to touch anything. But what I'm trying to do is, you know, produce a higher quality kind of artifact. Uh, but, you know, this higher quality product. You know, this hardback book with beautiful paper. Uh, you know, printed in this you know kind of beautiful way. Like I want to make a beautiful object. And the self-publishing community with like the print on demand stuff it it doesn't produce quality like that so i'm trying to crowdfund um this project in advance to generate the funds so that i can print a run of these hardback beautiful books how much are you aiming for at the moment i'm still trying to to work out the the fine details but right now it's around 10,000 it's it's quite high uh, 10,000 to to 12,000 us to um Publish this book in line with the vision that I have for you know a beautiful, beautiful object.
0: Would that ten thousand include a certain amount of prints already, or would it, that would just be just to get the get the ball rolling?
1: That will uh, enable me f- to produce the books and the print run that that I have set out. So that's like, you know, print, ship, deliver in you know in, in my warehouse, my garage, right? Um, so that that will kind of do it all with with any independent publishing um kind of job you have to take on a lot of roles uh, you have to write you have to edit you have to format you have to do marketing you have to do all of that stuff um but you know part of that funding goal that i have will help you know me hire someone to do like the copy editing and also like to do like some format cleaning up for the for the files to get everything print ready there's a lot in the back end that that's going to fund. Is this your first book, or have you written books before? I've written books before. I've written a um, historical fiction um, story uh, about Spain. Um, I actually independently published that uh, several years ago as well. So I know how like the indie publishing world uh, works. I've written forewords and um, you know essays for other other books, academic and and non. But yeah. The reason why I asked that question was because it sounds like a
0: quite a a tough thing to do going through the independent, independency. And if you're fortunate enough, people listening having having a a literary agent and everything's done for you, it makes life easier. But the the, the journey, again, to to get this published would probably be more satisfactory because you're you're having to do it all yourself. And it seems like you've got some experience and it's quite a tough, which is why obviously you're trying to get people to. To buy into the vision and buy into to your story is,
1: is uh, you mentioned quality. It has to be of a high quality, primarily because because of the images. Right, this is I call this a photo book memoir because you know there's an equal amount of photos as there are um, kind of this like the text section and the photo section. I think go hand they go hand in hand. Um, in the print on demand uh, world, they they can produce a pretty good uh, pretty good book, but I find I found the the level of quality that the print on demand um independent publishing world produces is not really um a, a, of a high, high, high standard, right? And so like the photo book world the um the photo book world they they you know if you go like and get a proper photo book um at the bookstore, right? This is a high quality, you know, paper quality is really high, print quality offset printing is really um is really high. Um you just can't get that with print on demand, and if for a traditional publisher to produce a book like this, the margins would be too too small for them. you know so that's for these reasons I have to go um independent and 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 do this high quality offset print run on my own and not do the print on demand stuff. I want to be positive and say when this book does well.
0: Have you got ambitions to do more of these little memoirs?
1: Well, we'll see I mean. You know i like the form you know the the form of this is kind of word and image right something that i studied when i was in grad school it's kind of like this nerd topic but it's like this interesting form it's like you have words and you have images and they complement each other so that's it's an interesting it's an interesting form Um, but i would say here with my experience with this book i mean it was a story that i really didn't plan to write at the beginning um so I, I don't know what that would look like in terms of like planning to to do something like that. Of course, you you can. There are a lot of people that are doing interesting things like this. Um, there's a guy named Craig Maud who is independently publishing these types of word and image books about his life and his experiences in uh, living in Japan. So there are a way for people to do that. What's the future for me after this, this book? I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Question about
0: Bolivia itself, and when you mm-hmm. when you travel there, since you've now gone, what's your
1: thoughts on the on the country? And I'm sure you would want to be going back very soon again. First time uh, in in Bolivia, um, my connection was with the country was purely through books and and research. So I knew nobody there. Um, I just knew about its history, and I really didn't know that much about. Uh, Contemporary politics and social issues in, in the country. I was more kind of history, historically minded with, with Bolivia, um, so that was a, a challenge. Uh, but I speak Spanish, and I was able to, uh, you know, ma- make it work. Navigate quite easily the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's. I would imagine if you don't have Spanish, it's it would be kind of difficult, um, just because of the. Um, you know, proficiency of English there is not, is not, um, very good, but, um, it's a beautiful place, interesting place. Um, I, I, I spent 30 days there and then I crossed over, um, at Titicaca into, into Peru. And as soon as you cross that border, you know, you can feel a difference, a change. Um, and it's hard for me to explain, but the, you know, there's a lot more comforts as soon as you get in, into, Peru. Mm-hmm. And so Bolivia I found was uh a little bit a little bit rougher um to travel in but i mean i think that's part of its part of its charm and and i say that sounds weird for me to say but you know it's it's a difficult country to travel through um but it's also a fascinating one to travel through you know the altitude gets you yeah i know uh, because i've been to Lake titicaca myself in in peru i didn't quite make it
0: to to so i understand the the altitude side of it you have to get used to it and but when you were saying it's quite rough compared to peru is that because of peru being slightly more I suppose wealth wealthier country
1: yeah i mean those are the comforts that that um that hit you as soon as you you cross over uh, the border that i found Bolivia's one of the poorest countries you know in this in this side of the globe spending 30 days in bolivia it's like that you just there's not enough time to to see it all right it's a uh, Fascinating place. It's you know something. There's people. You know what you don't expect it. And and um, yeah, I would love to go back. Um, I don't know when or or if I'll go back, but I have my ten year visa, and I'd I'd love to go back whenever. For people who are
0: fascinated about any South American countries, you just have to go and explore and, and find out for yourself, because then you will see what it's like, and then you can make your own judgment. Before I let you go, Jeremy, right. important information that is needed for people to get in touch
1: and perhaps help you with the funding. So let us know where, where we can get involved. The best place to go would be my website. It's a uh, JeremyBasetti.com. Uh, that's B-A-S-S-E-T-T-I.com. So like two S's, two T's. And, um, uh, there you'll be able to find, uh, the links, but if you go to JeremyBasetti.com forward slash skull, that'll take you uh straight to the kickstarter page so you can check it out um and uh i would love your support uh, ha- let's let's make this happen together there's some interesting rewards some cool rewards that i'm offering uh for backers you know the book the, the beautiful book um that might be quite expensive maybe a 40 dollar uh book but uh, i do plan on offering some more affordable options like um Paperback version, print on demand—that I just spent a lot of time talking, <laughs> uh, talking poorly about—but um, you know, just cheaper, more affordable options to um, to have there. So if people want to support the project, but you know, they can't financially support at the level of you know a, a hardcover book, they can support with like an audiobook version or or um, paperback or ebook version, things like that. Hopefully, fingers crossed. it it succeeds and people listen again get in
0: touch fund as much as you can and let's let's get the book up and running jeremy thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate your time i wish you all the best and i speak to you very soon thanks so much that's it for take a wonder with shebs don't forget to leave a comment and like this episode and you can follow me on all of my social media platforms under the handle shebs the wanderer
1: until next time Bye for now.